0: I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the Son of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons. For in the hope that we are saved, the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will.
1: Some of you may think that was planned, that my wife would read on the day that I'm preaching. But actually, she had her job first. That was the last minute fill in. Uh, it's good to be with you guys today. And hopefully the, the message that we share will, will uh, help all of us as we continue to grow. That's the series we've been doing here Scott's been taking us through, Are You Growing? And this is the last week of that series. So we're going to wrap it up. And the topic today is, Are You Yearning for Heaven and Longing to Be with Jesus? I want you to, in your mind for a second, play a word association game with me here. I want you to think and finish this sentence. I just can't wait to. Now think about the last time you said that. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. Y'all hear me okay? I'm hearing some, seeing some funny looks. Okay, good. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. For me, one of the last times I thought that, was uh, back in August, I was headed down to Alabama for a conference that was in Tuscaloosa. And I went to grad school in Tuscaloosa. Even though I'm an Auburn fan, I had to go spend time in enemy territory, get my master's degree. And while I was there, there's a place in Tuscaloosa called Dreamland If I can have that uh, image up there for a second. There it is. Dreamland ribs, this little shack off the beaten path. As soon as I got the invitation that they would accepted my proposal to speak at the conference, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Not all my old friends, not family who lives there. It was Dreamland ribs. Let me have that next slide. Now, I could get a mental picture in my mind of that. Those ribs sitting there, dripping with their special sauce that they make. And I could see myself with one in my hands, held with pinkies out, as just as appropriate for a formal occasion. <laughs> a ball of used white and now brown napkins beside me from where I'd wipe my face, later on in the day still getting the aroma from my beard. I couldn't wait to get down there for that. So I called my cousin. I said, hey, I'm coming to Tuscaloosa. Let's let's do some ribs together. So I thought, what else is there to do in Tuscaloosa with ribs? But Dreamland, he goes, I've got a place that's better. You're my cousin, so I'm going to let you take me there. We went there. It wasn't better. So before I left town, I called my nephew, who's a freshman at the University of Alabama, and I said, I know you're a starving student. Would you like to go out for some ribs? Sure. So I took him out for ribs so I could get my rib fix. <laughs> that month wait from the time I was supposed to go to when I got it, seemed like forever. I couldn't wait to get down there. John Houston, tell you, everybody that was patient enough to listen got to hear about Dreamland ribs. Didn't you, John? And he's going down there. See, I converted him. They're making a pit stop on their way through Alabama. For you, it may not be ribs. Maybe for you, it's that vacation. Maybe it was the summer, and you're thinking, I can't wait till that day comes. The beach is calling my name. I see some heads nodding. Or maybe the mountains are calling my name. Camping's calling my name. Families calling my name. There's something that we're desiring, something we're longing for. Maybe if you think back to when you were a kid, we tended to yearn more and long more when we were kids. All it takes is going to Walmart when there's kids around and you hear the longing that's at Walmart. I've got to have this. When you were a kid, it fell around birthdays a lot, right? You could turn 10 one day and the next day you're calculating, how many days is it till I can call myself 10 and a half? And then you start planning your 11th birthday party and who you're going to invite and what you're going to ask for. Christmas isn't any different, right? You're trying to plan, what am I going to get this year? It's kind of the monster we've created, isn't it? That birthday thing's changed for some of us. Now, instead of longing for the next birthday, we're lying about this one. Um, <laughs> give you another example. Do you remember when Friday night couldn't get here fast enough because you had that date with that special person that you thought was just the end all be all? And now you're saying, thank you. That didn't work out. Somebody's saying, hey, it worked out. I'm sitting next to him. But time just seemed to crawl because you were yearning for that day to get there. You couldn't wait for it to get there. Maybe it's longing for that phone call from that sweetheart who's somewhere else. And back before we had cell phones with unlimited calling, unlimited minutes, young people, we had to pay for long distance phone calls, and they weren't cheap especially if they were international, as some of you dealt with, with being apart part because of service. And that phone would ring. And you knew the day and the time they were supposed to call. And if it didn't happen, the time even got slower then. And you just couldn't wait for that phone to ring. And you'd talk once a week maybe, once a month maybe, depending on your budget at the time. There's other times when the calendar just doesn't go fast enough for us, when we're longing for something. Maybe it's a wedding we've got planned out. We just can't wait for it to get here. Maybe it's the birth of a child that's on the way. Maybe it's a graduation that's coming. The point I want us to know is we are all experienced yearners. We've all had a lot of practice yearning, longing for something. Desiring it to happen. The question, though, for ourselves is do we yearn for heaven? Do we yearn to be with Jesus? Let's go to the passage Shannon just read to us in Romans 8. We're going to break this into a couple of sections and talk about each section as we go through. It starts off in verse 18. of the children of God. It starts off with present suffering. We all have present suffering. I'm fortunate. My suffering's minute. Sometimes I think it's big, but then once I start looking around and seeing what other folks are dealing with, I have tiny present suffering. Some of you have huge suffering going on. Notice that Paul doesn't make a distinction between those who are suffering a little and those who are suffering a lot. Because the reality is, and we know this, whatever's happening to me is important. Whatever's happening to you is important to you. It matters to you. It seems big to you. And Paul is saying, no matter what it is, big, small, or in the middle, It doesn't compare to the glory that awaits us. So how great is that glory? How remarkable is it? Well, it's so remarkable that we're not the only ones waiting for it. It says all of creation is waiting for it. Now, when I read this, started thinking about that, that struck me a little funny. I never think of creation as waiting. I tend to make creation kind of inanimate? depersonify personify it? I think, oh you know, it's trees. That's grass. It grows. We cut it. You know, okay. But he's saying all of creation is, is an expectation. And why is it an expectation? Because decay is a part of creation. Death is a part of creation. Pain is a part of creation. You see, it wasn't planned that way. But it became that way. Let's turn over to Genesis 3. Remind ourselves how it kind of, how creation got involved in all of this. In verses 17 through 19, this is after Eve had her encounter with Satan, and he talked her in to taking the forbidden fruit and eating it, and then she thought, "Hmm, I better share this with somebody." And Adam took it as well. And God has already told Satan, the serpent, what's going to happen to him. Told Eve what's going to happen to her. And here's what He says to Adam in verse 17. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, from, from it you were taken, For dust you are, and dust you will return. Cursed is the ground. Sin created a situation to where creation was defiled. It was made to be a... It was damaged. And that's what sin does. Sin doesn't just impact the person who does it. It impacts others, too. So since sin's entrance entrance into the world impacted everything, Paul is going to use a very descriptive image to how much creation is longing, is yearning, for the resolution to this, for Christ's return. In verse 22 it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Now, I've never given birth. Hope y'all figure that out. But I've been there when our two kids were born. And with grace, I had one job. Count to ten. That's all I had to do. Count to ten. And one time I got so amazed by what was going on around me, I stopped at about three. Next thing I know, I got hit. And a very angry face said, Don't ever stop counting again. Because she was in the pains of childbirth. I heard sounds come from her I've never heard come from her ever again. That's okay. Paul's giving them an idea. Because you have to remember, at this time, you wouldn't have gone to the hospital to have a child. You would have had the child in your home. They lived close together. If somebody was having a kid next door, you knew it. Everybody could relate to what he's talking about here. To the groaning as in pains of childbirth. Because they're different than other groanings, right? And he's saying, now think about this. Up to this present time, they've been doing that. I'm talking about a long labor. I've heard two, three, four-day labors? From the time Adam and Eve sinned till now. They're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for something to give birth. That's a long time to wait. It's a long process. But creation is not the only one groaning here. Who else is groaning? We are. It says, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit to the Spirit, grown inwardly, As we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has. But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait patiently. Because of my job, I know a little bit about adoption. We do adoptions at Holston Home, and that's one of the programs I'm over. And let me tell you, you want to talk about folks who are yearning. It's the kids and the families who are involved in adoption. I got an email two weeks ago at work. A little five-year-old fellow named Gabe has been with us for a while, and the first family he was with didn't work out. So he's with a second family now. And things are going really, really good for Gabe. And he just had his fifth birthday party. And the family gave presents to him, and they sent the worker pictures of him at his birthday with his cake. And in the email that they sent was this statement. Gabe enjoyed the birthday party, but he said this name change and things taking a long time. That's a five-year-old way of saying, I'm longing for this to be over. I'm ready to be yours. I'm ready to belong to you. There's another kid that we're working with right now. She's 16. She'll be 17 in January. Life has not been good to her. Both of her parents are deceased. Some of her family has rejected her. The others aren't in a position where they can care for her. She's got some intellectual challenges. She's got some medical challenges. But she wants a family. And she knows I'm over foster care and adoption. So when she sees me in the cafeteria, she'll come up and she'll say, Mr. Steve, have you found a family for me yet? And I have to say, no, not yet. And part of it is, quite honestly, she's become so special to us, we're not just going to let any family have her. We've got to have the right family for her. I get to meet with her next week. She requested the meeting because she wants to hear from me why is it other kids come to Holston and go pretty quick to foster care and she's not. That's not going to be an easy conversation. Because two years ago, I could have said real simply, it was about her behavior. But guess what? She's made huge change. Remarkable change. But we still have to tell everybody the old stuff, too. Because that's only fair. And it's the old stuff that scared folks away. So what I'm going to propose to her is... Apparently, I'm not doing a good job of recruiting families for you. How about you help me? I'll bring my video camera, and we'll talk about what you're looking for in a family and what you want in a family, and then I'll go show it. Because I tell you what, I guarantee you, once people see that, that have thought about it, they'll be interested in this young lady. She longs desperately for a family with a longing I can't even begin to understand. Because I've been fortunate. I've had a family my whole life. A family that cared about me. But to someone who's waiting and waiting and waiting, when that adoption paper is signed, there's power to that. You're in limbo until the adoption is finalized. And that's what he's talking about here. Is we're waiting for our adoption as sonship, as sons and daughters, to be finalized. Because the parents are just as desperate for that to happen as the kids are. We do international adoptions. And you think you feel out of control in the states, try working with a different country's government. They may even have some language barrier in there. Wow. And families have been matched with a child. And all they're waiting for, what one country we work with, calls the fetching letter. That's the term they use. You can come fetch your child. And it takes some time. They have to go through medical process. You've got to wait for that letter to come. Imagine knowing your child is there waiting on you. And all you need is one piece of paper that says, I can buy my plane tickets and I can fly. Imagine how slowly that calendar must turn. How long every day must be. And when that letter comes, what a day of celebration. You see that child, you bring the child back with you. What a day of celebration. I love the image of God as an adoptive parent just waiting for us to give the permission to be adopted. It's one of the unique things about adoption. Once you reach a certain age, you have to give permission to be adopted. Isn't that what we do? God's called all of us. But we have to say, yeah, I want to be a part of your family. And then we get the right to be called sons and daughters. So there's groaning going on. And what's behind all that is hope. For the kids I work with and the families I work with, hope is what's driving them. And the reason I'm meeting with that young lady next week is because she's losing hope. Hope's a powerful thing. Paul reminds us, so that hope is only hope when we don't have what we've hoped for. Did you catch all that? If we've got it, we don't hope for it anymore. Auburn beat Arkansas yesterday. I don't hope they beat Arkansas anymore. I know they beat Arkansas. (laughs) So wrong, sorry. (laughs) Hope is for something we don't have. So, what's our hope? Our hope is that our hope is realized. That's what our hope is. What are you hoping for? What are you longing for? I got those ribs. They were good. They were real good. But you know what? I got hungry again eventually. The flavor in my mouth went away. There's other foods That I saw, wow, that's pretty good too. It wasn't a lasting satisfaction. It was temporary, just for that moment. That vacation, we look forward to it so much, we get panicked to get everything done so we can go and relax and have fun. And then what do we start dreading? Coming back. (laughs) And the loads of laundry. And the 600 million emails from work that have built up while we've been gone. The summer reading we didn't do on summer vacation. It's temporary. Those things that we get so excited about and so worked up for, they're very short term. And... As we have yearnings, as we desire things, part of the reason we keep chasing after some of those short-term rewards because there's something deeper. There's something more we're really trying to meet there. Paul encourages us here. Because he lets us know that even though there's something in my heart that I always can't express, and I must not be good at expressing. Because a lot of times my wife will say, what are you thinking? And what's my response, guys? Nothing. She'll say, what do you think about that? I don't know. I think, guys, sometimes we struggle with that. I think all of us sometimes have trouble identifying the desires of our heart. You know what's great? Paul lets us know there's a heart translator out there. That there's somebody that takes the words, the blabbering words that I say to God... And he says, God, what he means is this. What he meant to say was this. What he really needs is this. Let's read how Paul puts it here. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. With groans that words cannot express. It's the third time groans has been used in this passage. Do not notice that? Creation's groaning. We're groaning. Now the Spirit's groaning. I think Paul's trying to make a point here. That there should be something within us desiring something. And here we have the Spirit groaning with words that can't be expressed. And he searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. That last part is key, in accordance with God's will. Remember when you were a child? It was report card day? And you knew you had good grades? I had a few of those days. Not all of them, but a few of them. Are you got that grade back on that paper you'd worked really hard on. Are you finished that project that you were really, really proud of. And at my house, we got home before my parents did. And there was about a two-hour delay between when I got home from school and when Mom and Dad got home from work. And I couldn't wait for them to get home. So they could be proud of me for what I had done. And then there were those days that I didn't have good grades. There was that day I got in a fight in sixth grade. By the way, don't ever get in a fight with a guy whose name is a weapon. It's just not a good plan. After Tommy Gunn beat me to a pulp and I was... I was never more thankful to see a PE teacher coming than at that moment. Mr. Raley took me into his office along with Tommy. He said, I've got to give you guys licks. And he said, I'm not going to call your parents, Steve. But if I run into your mama at Winn-Dixie, and she says, how's Steve doing? I don't want to have to say, well, he's been doing good since he got in that fight. And she goes, what fight? So he told me he would tell if I didn't, basically. It's a small town I was living in. I could do nothing for those two hours. It was like I had the weight of the world on me. And my brother just loved it. Every time a car drove by, he goes, Mom, no, just kidding. He invited the neighbor kids over to watch me agonize. (laughs) So I told my mom, we all have felt that dread and that fear. That's not hope. If that's what you feel when you think about judgment day, Something's got to change. Because I knew I had disappointed my parents when I brought home those bad grades, when I brought home the behavioral reports. But you know what? That didn't change their love for me. One of my favorite terms in the Bible for God is the term Abba, Father. Father. They didn't translate it. Abba is the word for daddy. Now, there's a difference between dad and daddy. When kids are little, one of the first sounds they can make is the duh sound. That's why they say daddy before mama, moms. So don't get your feelings hurt. Mom is a hard word to say. It takes two lips going together inside. Dad is a whole lot easier sound to make. So that's why a lot of times kids will say dad dad before they say mama. But when a kid says daddy, and think about it, those of you who have had children, Shannon's got a great picture in one of the scrapbooks of the kids standing at the screen door, the storm door, watching for me. Isn't that a great feeling? Have the kids come and run into you going, Daddy, Daddy. Let me change the language for you there. Abba. Abba. They're anxiously awaiting your return. Here's the best news I can give you. We have an Abba Father that's worth longing for. That's worth yearning to spend time with. Because no matter what any of us have done, no matter what groanings we have, he will take us into his arms, into his lap. And he has the ability to make it right. He can remove from us that shame and that dread that we can all relate to and give us the desire to want to be with him. Here's where we're going to wrap up. I don't know what your view of God is. But I hope you see here that God wants and desires us to long and desire to be with Him. He's willing to chase us down throughout history And say, come here. Let's talk about this. Let's get this right. Come back to me. Today, some of you haven't had the chance to meet God yet. You've heard about him. And you know, we always have those people in our lives that we're afraid of because of their reputation had a teacher like that when I was in high school. Her name was Miss Lay. She taught 12th grade government. It was a rite of passage to have to get through Miss Lay's class. And the first day of class, she had a gavel in her hand, and she would twist the head as she talked. And she would say, I want to be empress of the world, but no one's asked me to be empress of the world yet. <clears throat> in fact, not even empress of this classroom. The whole time, twisting the head of that gavel around. What I say goes in this classroom.
0: <clears throat>
1: Don't check out of my class. Don't check into my class. Turns out, after you got past the scary speech from the first day, Miss Lay was a great teacher. And she liked having that reputation of kind of being the tough one, because it made her job easy. She didn't have to be tough. She had the reputation to back it up. But I had to be in the class and meet Miss Lay to make up my own mind. Don't base your opinion of God on what anybody else tells you. Get to know Him yourself. Meet Him for yourself. Others need to get reacquainted. And that's okay too. Sometimes that's some time alone, sometimes that's talking to other people about it. I hope today that as you think about your life, you will increase your desire to be in heaven, to spend time with God, to be with Jesus, that your yearning will increase. If there's any way we as a church family can serve you, please come now while we stand and sing.